Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I am your host. I'm Shemaine Linney. I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, certified iridologist and biohacker. And I'm very happy to have you back with me on this beautiful June day. I hope you're all enjoying June so far. You'll probably hear the birds in the background. And I think you're going to find this topic really interesting. We're going to look at G-Flux this week and I'm going to have to put a catchy title on it otherwise people won't have any idea of what it means or maybe not even be enticed to listen to it. So those of you that do listen to it, I hope you find this really enlightening and it touches on some aspects of health and nutrition that maybe you didn't know about already. So before I go on, I must emphasize that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So I've got a couple of studies for you guys in this episode. I'm also going to be using some different references myself. But G-flux basically means energy turnover. So we're thinking of energy in, energy out of the body and how it affects metabolism. This came up on one of my master's group calls a couple of weeks ago. But unless you go really in-depth on it, it's hard to understand. I mean, simply, I will say to my clients, look, if you exercise more, you need to eat more. Like, that's the basis of it. But let's get into a little bit more. So G-flux is basically energy turnover. Many of us know that the basic law of the universe means Energy can't be created nor destroyed, only converted. So in the human body with metabolism, we're always trying to balance our energy. So a question I'll ask my clients is, if energy can't be created nor destroyed, only converted, how are you converting the energy that you're taking into your body? So energy in is our food. Are you converting that food into fat stores? Or are you converting that energy into new tissues, growing stem cells, growing muscle, hair, supporting the thyroid, the hormones? Um, Basically, are you signaling that food for nutrient partitioning so that it goes to where you want it to go? So when we bring in energy through the calories or the food that we eat, then we will either expand that energy to sustain metabolic functions and our activity. So metabolic functions is basically just the energy that you need to survive the day. It's nothing extra. It's what your cells need, what the body needs to function. And then your activity for the day, and that could just be your your average activity of vacuuming groceries. It doesn't have to mean exercise in itself. So energy in, which is your food, is 
in some cases, and this will get confusing, but energy out is life and movement. So G flux then is this complex relationship between the energy that comes in and the energy that goes out of our body including metabolic functions and metabolism and it's that balance between the two that you will think of as the turnover so energy intake and energy expenditure so why is this important and what am I getting at well what a lot of research shows us is that to achieve optimal body composition and even health so the body that you desire it's essential to find that balance that I'm talking about and what some research is showing us is that if we keep g-flux high then that can be the key to maintaining a lean body weight and staying strong and having everything function optimally and just feeling good overall so increasing G-flux, increasing that energy turnover through exercise and nutrition and possibly supplementation, depends on the supplements, studies are showing us that people will experience increases in lean muscle mass but loss in fat happening at the same time, which can be hard for a lot of people to do, but this is what the research is showing us you experience an increased metabolic rate. And we saw this in one study from the clinical nutrition journal ESPEN, not ESPN, ESPEN. And the title of this study was called Increasing Energy Flux to Decrease the Biological Drive Toward Weight Regain After Weight Loss. Um, so what this study showed us, they took six obese adult men and they had them over five days. So before they started the five days, they underwent some measurements for resting metabolic weight resting metabolic rate, <laughs> the thermic effect of a meal that had on them fasting prosprandial measures, so that's blood glucose after eating. Um, they measured hunger and satieties, as well as plasma glucose and insulin levels. So what they did for five days is these six men, they completed two five-day conditions of energy balance, and it was in random order. So they had the five days of low flux, so low energy, where they didn't move. They were just sedentary, and then their energy intake was equal to their resting metabolic rate. And then we had them do five days of high flux, where their net exercise energy accumulated say five not say it was 500 calories per day so they exercised more so they expanded 500 calories and then they consumed their resting metabolic rate and more so that 500 calories more as well so the rest of resting metabolic rate was measured for each of these flux conditions. And then at the end of the five days, they did those same measurements again that they did in the beginning. And what they basically found was 
that the, those who did the high flux, so higher exercise and higher energy consumption, compared to those who did no exercise and had low calories, their perceived hunger at the end of the day was lower in the high flux group and fullness throughout the day was higher, so less chances of um, overeating, but even cravings later on the day. So on day five, each flux condition, the thermic effect of the meal and the circulating glucose was the same, except those in the high flux group, they burned more calories and saw an increase in their metabolism, even though they were eating more calories. So that's one aspect of where we see the increased metabolic rate. Then we also see better recovery. This is very important for the sympathetic nervous system or the central nervous system. We see improved nutrient partitioning, what I mentioned earlier, which means basically what your body, your body does with the food that you eat. How does it use it? Is it using it to create muscles and hair and nails or stem cells, like I mentioned? Or is it using that food that you ate to create new fat cells? So we see improved nutrient partitioning in those who practice higher G-flux. And then we have improved micronutrient delivery. So that's your vitamins and minerals, your fairy dust from my clients. So your micronutrients, which are essential for our hormones and our thyroid and our adrenal health. And then they had, um, the study shows that high G-flux also shows increased tissue remodeling and turnover, which is where you see the changes in the body composition and is partially due to that nutrient partitioning as well. So, there was another study before I go on that I just want to touch on. This is in PubMed, and it's titled Interaction of Acute Changes in Exercise, Energy Expenditure, and Energy Intake on Resting Metabolic Rate. And what this study shows us that when resting metabolic rate was greater in those who exercised more and ate more, they saw that they had better physical results and body composition like I just mentioned with the nutrient partitioning but the big thing there was they had that increase in their metabolism which a lot of people are looking for now and if you've been a dieter over the years or you've tried lots of different approaches to losing body fat well we know the more times that you lose and gain and lose and gain and lose and gain it can get harder but this can be one way, this, I don't want to call it reverse dieting because I don't believe that's what it is, but it can help fix a broken metabolism as we might call it. Whereas in the decreased G-flux, in that lower consumption of calories and exercise, and I'm always saying to clients, you need to eat more, okay, it's time to start exercising, there's only so far you can cook calories before you start asking for trouble. It's very important to give the body what it needs, especially in the times we live in now. But when you do decrease G-flux through inactivity or poor nutrition or even age-related muscle wasting, which is our sarcopenia, or like I mentioned a second ago, 
people will get desperate and they'll keep cutting calories. They'll keep cutting calories. And I'm always like, well, once you cut as low as 500, then what next? Like, do you just fast for the rest of your life? And at that stage, it's not even fasting. It's just starvation. But uh, we need to be conscious of this because there, there has to be balance. And I've always spoke about balance. And that's the idea behind G-Flux. So um, as people don't move and they try to eat less because they're trying to cut calories because I believe they, we, all of us, can become desperate at times. And then we get older. And if you're not moving and you're not lifting weights and you're not having proper calorie consumption and protein consumption, then you're experiencing muscle wasting and muscle loss. So now your metabolism drops even lower. You can see where the problem lies with that. And you will keep gaining and gaining and gaining along with the other health issues that comes with it. So when we're looking at G-Flux, we're looking to find the best energy balance for you that's going to give you a higher metabolic rate and a lean, healthy body while also being sustainable and making you feel good. Now, this is a tool my clients will hear me talk about tools a lot. We have lots of different tools. And tools, what do we use tools for? Well, we use them for specific jobs. So the same way fasting is a tool, same way using a protein shake or high-intensity cardio is a tool. These are all tools. It doesn't mean that we're going to do this consistently, but it does mean that it's a tool that we can use when we need it, and that's what this idea of G-Flux is. It's a tool that you can use when you feel like maybe you've plateaued or things have slowed down and you want to switch things up, and this can be more enjoyable for people because, one, we know moving and exercise gives us the release of the dopamine and the serotonin, the feel-good hormone, and even just feeling of pride and accomplishment but you get to eat more as well which is enjoyable in itself preferably we'd see you eating more good foods especially protein but you still get to eat more which is offsetting hunger pangs and potentially cravings later on but with g-flux your body composition can be changed if done right. So let's take an individual eating 2,500 calories and burning 2,500 calories a day. Most of us would think that person won't likely lose or gain weight. They're going to be in balance, so they're going to maintain. But if we use the principles of G-flux and we boost this person's food intake, I mean, 2,500 calories seems a bit extreme to most people. Most people I work with would be probably 1,500 calories, and that's just the position they've got into or we've manipulated. Like, there's many reasons. But let's say with this example, if we boost this person's food intake or energy intake to 3,000 calories a day, so an extra 500 calories, but we also add on an extra 500 calories of energy expenditure, so now they're burning 300 calories a day, then most people, again, would assume that that's not going to change. Like 3,000 and 3,000, that's maintenance. They're not going to lose. They're not going to gain. But that's not what the research shows us. If someone has been at 2,500 calories for an extended period of time and they feel like they're plateauing or they've slowed down, 
When we increase them, that's where the studies show the benefit happens. Here is another study. You will find this on PubMed. It's from the National Library of Medicine. It's titled Increasing Energy Flux to Maintain Diet-Induced Weight Loss. And what this one basically showed us that when we increase calories and energy, so we increase G-flux, that can be a tool for keeping weight off so we don't rebound weight gain once we've hit say our goal weight but also we get this higher metabolism so we get more flexibility as well so this can have met benefits on many levels because you're also improving mitochondrial function like that's metabolic rate um, and then there's I'm going to look at one more study. It's in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, and it's titled Low Energy Intake Plus Low Energy Expenditure Predicts Future Body Fat Gain. And that's what I was saying earlier. Basically, that study shows us that when someone has low exercise and low calories, their body's not getting the signaling me mechanisms to partition the nutrients properly or even stimulate the metabolism so they have a higher likelihood of regaining the weight and a lot more than they lost. So with G-flux, when we increase energy, so food and increase exercise, your weight might not always change on the scale, but we're seeing that the body composition definitely does. And then we see the increases in the metabolic rate Increases in lean mass, long luscious hair, strong nails, improved energy overall. So not just your metabolic rate, but energy to get through the day. Um, but we may not see the scales move too much because most of these growths, these things that are growing, even your red blood cells, they all have a molecular weight. They're going to weigh on the scales. So... Back to what I said at the very beginning, if I was explaining this very basically to clients, it would be, if you eat more, you have to exercise more. And that's how we're going to increase metabolism. I know this is, or can be touchy to ask people to exercise more. Most people don't have a problem eating more. But to ask someone to exercise more with the way we live nowadays, everyone seems to be go, 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 work, pick up kids, make dinner, put kids to bed, wash yourself, like it's just go, go, go. So fitting in the exercise can be hard. But that doesn't mean you have to if you're trying to increase your exercise, you don't have to do an extra exercise class a day. You just need to be cognizant that you're moving more. Park further away from the stores. Take the stairs, not the elevator. Um, every time you have a break, get up and move around. Do 100 lunges. Do 100 air squats. Do, if nobody's looking, 100 jumping jacks. Or if people are looking, you could do that too. People just might think you're a bit strange, but you could get them to listen to this podcast episode. So increasing G-flux, uh, apart from going back in time and asking your parents to give you better genes, we want to increase 
our exercise, and it doesn't even have to be daily, it can be weekly. If you look at weighing once a week, we're looking at the result over the week, not the day. It's generally what has resulted of a week of eating and exercise. So that should help people as well that have busy schedules. We want to increase your physical activity over the week and then increase your energy or your calorie consumption or your food consumption so that you can reap the benefits of it and changes in body composition and more energy and feeling good. So there's many ways you can increase activity. Time is usually the biggest obstacle for people. So I do get that. So like I said, there I can always give other tips. I have videos that I give to people if they want to try abs, exercises, or legs, or something. And sometimes it can be as easy as just putting on some headphones, doing the housework, so that instead of just doing the housework monotonously, you're dancing and moving and singing, and that can make a huge difference. If you have a tracker, do that. And compared to the days where you just kind of go through the motions, there's a huge calorie expenditure difference. If you live close to your kid's school, walk to the school, walk back, time permitting, depends on how far you live. Um, if you aren't already exercising, then you want to implement some sort of exercise if you can fit it in. I ideally would like to see people exercise five hours a week. If you're going to be walking, three one-hour walks a week or five to six 40-minute walks a week, it really depends. I actually will ask clients if they have a dog because I know if they have a dog, chances are I can get them to walk the dog. I've actually told clients before to get a dog just so they wouldn't have an excuse just to get them moving. So once you get the flow of things going and you adapt to exercising, then you can look at adding in more. But look at what you enjoy. It doesn't have to be miserable. It doesn't have to be high intensity. It doesn't have to be CrossFit. You can find what you enjoy. But we want you to move more. If you're going to eat more... We want you to move more and vice versa. And then for those of us, I'm just going to throw this in. For those of us, us being like myself, that are genetically predisposed to weight gain, like we gain weight really, really easy, even though I think a lot of people say that nowadays. But most of you know that I was obese at the start of my journey. And it runs in my family on both sides, really, when I think about it. But I've found that people who are predisposed to weight gain, if they do eat more, so say 500 calories more, they're doing it in the earlier part of the day. And then sure, you can add in the extra movement right across the day. So if you normally do an hour workout in the morning, but now you're eating more and you want to add in extra exercise, then maybe you go for a walk in the evening. And that for some people can increase that 300, 500 calories. Like there's ways to do it. But I have seen that those of us that are predisposed to putting on weight, body fat easily, and even very sensitive to inflammation, which I can be, when we have those extra calories earlier in the day. So I'm thinking like before 3 or 4 p.m., then we usually will get better results when doing this increase in G-flux. So I hope that all made sense. I 
know I kind of rushed through it a bit. The last two podcast episodes were quite long, so I was cognizant of the time on this. But I'm happy to explain it again. If you have any questions, do reach out to me. You can get me on Facebook, Instagram, or my website, ShemainesModelHealth.com. I'm thinking of a few clients that would really benefit from doing this a lot, but I'm also aware of time restraints with people and family demands and stuff like that. But again, this is a helpful tool to even know about. Even if you don't use it, someday you might need to use it and you will know about it and you can always come back to this episode. So if you know anyone that would benefit from this information, please do share with them. Sharing is caring. If you liked this information, please give me a like. And if you haven't subscribed to my podcast already, please do. I really appreciate it. It, I don't need to tell you, small businesses need all the help they can get nowadays. So even just subscribing and sharing to a podcast can really make a difference to small business. And also, I have just set up a buy me a coffee page. So if you would like to buy me a coffee or tea, because I really do like tea as well, you can go to buy me a coffee and it's CMH Thanks. So Shemaine's Model Health Thanks. So that's my handle there. CMH, thanks. If you'd like to buy me coffee. If not, I'll still like you. Okay, have a great day, everyone. And I look forward to chatting to you guys again soon. Bye-bye.